It's Tuesday, September 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Jason, might as well be called Moser Foolery. <laughs> oh, we love having you here. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got plenty to talk, to talk about today, including GoPro and Ford, but we begin with eBay. Now, after months of eBay claiming that PayPal and its legacy business are better together, early this morning they announced, no, nah, not really. We decided <laughs> otherwise. What the heck, man? What's with this turnaround? Well, I mean, so, you know, Carl Icahn was, was really trying to help sort of spearhead this movement for a while. And I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about this here at Full HQ for a number of years now. I mean, looking at eBay, which has grown into a very robust e-commerce business, PayPal has been a wonderful um, addition to that company. It was a very smart acquisition at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, it may have been the case before that they were stronger together because I think that it, it certainly helped sort of create that that sort of flywheel effect, so to speak, of more purchases on eBay using PayPal more, which brought it back to eBay, and it, it just kind of continued there. Um, but I mean, I think we're at the point now in e-commerce where uh, PayPal, I think, can benefit more being out on its own as sort of a pure play where they devote all of their financial resources and, and, and strategy to that particular concept. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you look at some of the numbers that, that we see in e-commerce today, uh, PayPal facilitates one in every six dollars spent online. Now, Amazon.com accounts for about one of every four e-commerce purchases huh. out there today. Um, you know, but the interesting thing is, you can't use PayPal on Amazon.com, nope. right? So, um, I'm not saying that this, you know, split will will make that happen. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Uh, because I think that when you look at eBay's uh, or when you look at PayPal's registered user base, I mean they have over 150 million active registered accounts today, uh, tremendous global presence. Amazon has 250 uh, million active customer accounts. Uh, you know, e- PayPal brought in 6.6 billion dollars mm. in 2013. Uh, their mobile commerce volume grew 88% to $27 billion. And this is a very high-margin business, bringing in you know, 25 26 27% net margins. Uh, so, I, I think that at this stage in its life, it makes more sense to take a, you know, advantage of that bigger long-term trend in, in e-commerce. I absolutely agree. So, does that mean when PayPal goes public in 2015, you're going to be a shareholder? Uh, no, I mean, I, I guess it's possible I could consider buying shares in PayPal. I, I would definitely think about it. I don't own eBay shares today. I mm. thought that's what you meant, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I, I certainly would look at it because I think that when you find those capital light business models that really benefit from the network effect and those bigger long term trends, and really e commerce is a, a huge long term trend, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely have it on my radar. Um, you know, I mean, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. I made a bold and reckless predi- prediction earlier today on Twitter that you know, I mean, it, it wouldn't be beyond uh, you know a, a reasonable doubt to think that that Amazon might even consider trying to acquire PayPal. Whoa! Because if you think about how much Amazon, how how big of a role they play in e-commerce today. And how much PayPal is really doing without even being on the Amazon platform? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that could certainly be a a big top and bottom line mover for Amazon. Um, and so, you know, while I I don't expect something like that to happen, I mean, it could. I mean, Amazon's tried to make their own sort of headway with Amazon Payments, but that's not really taking hold. No. Um, I mean, their list of vendors that they work with is is very uncompelling. Um, and as a loyal Amazon user, I, I don't think I've ever even used Amazon Payments, so I don't know how much traction that's really gaining. Uh, but I, I think that regardless, at the end of the day, this certainly would be 
an interesting look for me. I'm not too terribly interested in eBay, but I would definitely be interested in PayPal. Wow. You really like this uh, Amazon PayPal sort of combination, huh? Well, like I said, Mark, it's a bold and reckless prediction. Okay? We like it's, that here. It's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think something like that would happen. But if there's a company out there that has uh, the financial resources and the wherewithal to pull it off, mm. uh, you know, Amazon is, is certainly a very, uh, Jeff Bezos is, is a bold and reckless guy <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> no, Jeff Bezos, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, so uh, forget it. Uh, moving aside, PayPal for right now. What happens to eBay without PayPal? Just uh, in the last couple of years, uh, eBay's uh, revenue has increased 10%. PayPal's revenue has increased 19% in the yeah. last four quarters. Uh, without PayPal driving growth, where does eBay go from here? I, you know, that's why I don't necessarily. Um see eBay as the most compelling e-commerce play out there. I mean, now I'll preface this by saying I've never used eBay, not even once in my life. Really? Um, and so I, I've I've seen it, I've surfed around it. It just doesn't seem to be something I, you know, really need. I mean, um, so I, I think that when you look at PayPal today serves a great purpose for eBay. It gives them a lot of information on how their customers are spending, what they're spending. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's been a tremendous uh, provider of data. I think for for the for the con- for their consumer base. Um, I, I think this, you know, I think this puts eBay at a little bit of a disadvantage because it encourages traffic to spread around um, the internet, you know, the e-commerce world, as opposed to just really kind of sticking around eBay. So I think for the longest time, it's been a tremendous um, driver for eBay. Uh, sales and growth. I think that with with PayPal being separate, there there is a good enough chance that we could see that slow down. Mm. So I mean, for me again, I look at this and I think, well, the the PayPal side of the business is certainly very interesting to me. The the eBay the eBay side of the business, I, I would probably just take a pass on. I agree. All right, let's uh, move right along. It's been a tough couple of days for new Ford CEO Mark Fields. Shares of Ford are way down after the company announced a dramatic decrease in projected profit. Just some of the numbers for you. Uh, it's expected to report pre-tax profit this year of between six billion and seven billion dollars. That's about one and a half billion dollars less than it had forecast just what two months ago, something <laughs> like that. What happened? That's serious guidance slashing yeah. right there. Welcome to the big leagues, Mark Fields. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark was the former COO who took over for uh, Alan Mulally, who just mm-hmm. recently stepped down. And you know, I mean, I, I look at this and I think I, I really I like seeing him. Get out in front of this like this. I mean that that's that is significant. Um, that that is a significant cut there in, in guidance. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, I, some some CEOs might try to get out there and sort of cupcake it, make it seem like like it's not so bad. Um, I mean we knew that there are headwinds in in Europe and Russia. Uh, we knew that there were going to be severe. Uh, headwinds when it comes to these recalls because GM and, and Ford uh, and the like have been suffering from just you know an absurd amount of recalls this oh, yeah. year. Uh, but really, what this what this did was it quantified that for us. And you know, I think we saw really the bad news. The market really over you know, not not overreacted, but it really reacted yesterday. I think the stock was down about seven and a half percent or so, mm-hmm. down a couple more percent today. I mean, it's not terribly surprising at all because really they're telling us that profitability is going to be affected, margins are going to be affected. Uh, we're, we're not necessarily sure. how how they intend to really take on this recall issue in the future, other than to really get in there and make sure it doesn't happen again, uh, which will probably require some micromanaging to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I always look at these automakers, and they just—they don't really—they don't do it for me because they're—they're they're so capital intensive, uh, tremendous uh, fixed costs there in keeping those factories running, uh, and just the never-ending specter of the of the UAW and and I just I don't think you'll ever be able to really phase out that United Auto Workers Union which to me 
it's just a constant negotiation. There's always something going on. Always. And so, from an investor's perspective, you know, these, these automakers to me are more value style investments where you find them, you know, at a, at a cyclical uh, bottom where the pessimism is very high. You know, invest in them, have an idea of the target value you're looking for, sell, rinse, repeat. You know, something something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know that we'll see. Uh, I don't know that we'll see Ford. Uh, bouncing back from this news anytime real soon because we know that this is something that's going to plague them for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other thing I think about is we hear a lot about how people talk about the the age of the average car out there in the United States roads today is around 11, 12 years old. I think it's also worth remembering that just as we are living longer lives because we're eating better and maybe exercising more, cars have come along with technology as well. Cars are lasting longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily this as much pent-up demand as, as some might like to believe. There is some, don't get me wrong, but, but I think that cars definitely are lasting longer, which is, is uh, you know, keeping people from always going out there and just, and just you know, Buying a new one. Well, Mark Fields would actually disagree with an earlier point about the auto industry being a value play. He actually said in this announcement, "We are a growth company in a growth industry, and he expects global auto industry revenue will grow to three trillion dollars by 2020, from two trillion dollars in 2000." Do you? Is he? Is he just? Blowing smoke out? Is he just trying to cover for what is looking like a pretty terrible couple of days? Well, I mean, he certainly wants to get. He's not going to get out there and try and paint a bad picture, for right. Us, right? I mean, he, he's, his job is to get out there and and really try to paint the best picture he can. Mm. Um, I th- I think that to look at the auto industry as a as a robust growth industry. I, I would just disagree with that. I mean, there is certainly growth to be had. I mean, they're going to ship more units in 2020 than they shipped this year, right? Sure. Is it going to be? Is it going to be material? Possibly. But when you look at other companies out there, like Tesla, for example, that are getting getting out there, really trying to shake up this this auto market, come come to the market with new technology, new vehicles, new ways of selling those vehicles that eliminate a lot of those frictional costs in there. And you're dealing with dealers or the United Auto Workers Union and things like that. I, I think that you really have to be a little bit more forward. Thinking and you know not looking at just the GMs and the Fords of the past, but what are those companies doing to be a part of the future? Right. And speaking of the future, uh, a lot of the one of the bones that feels throughout there for shareholders was that 2020 will be way better. Don't worry, guys. By the end of the decade, <laughs> everything will be a okay. 2020 is a bit a bit away. A couple of years now. Do you believe Ford will turn things around in 2020? Do you think that uh, what what are some of the promises that he made? Double-digit margins for its Lincoln luxury brand. It would deliver 9.4 million vehicles, up from 6.2 in 2013. Do you think Ford has the has the uh, the trajectory to even get to those numbers by 2020, or is it just going to keep on being a value play, just in a Cruising along. Well, I think that Ford does a good job of making vehicles that that consumers want to buy. Mm. But to your point, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I can't tell you how many cars are going to be shipped in 2020. So it's worth remembering these are all just projections, and they're trying to get out there and and offer the most reasonable and, and optimistic projections they can. Uh, there were a lot of promises and a lot of, of, of optimistic projections back in 2005. There were some optimistic projections in July <laughs> yeah, of exactly. this year. And so, look at what we got. I mean, I, I think that that's all. That's all to say that while it sounds good, I mean, you have to. The further out you go, the more uncertainty there is, and the more you have to really price that into your assumptions. Mm. And so, for me, uh, I, I hope, yeah, that they do reach those those uh, those those goals. I mean, whether they do remains to be seen. I mean, there could be another recession just around just around the corner for all we know. True uh, and if that's the case, then all bets are off. So, all right. what are you driving these days? 
I have a Toyota Camry. Classic. It's actually uh, yeah, 2009, fully paid for, mm-hmm. and I'll you know probably drive it till my girls go to college. Right. I understand <laughs> so. that. I've got a 2001 Toyota Rav4. That well, thing will go. outlast us all. Yeah, you keep frankly. them serviced well. I yeah. mean, they don't stop. Yeah, interesting. We both have Toyotas instead of Fords. Okay, uh, let's move on. Last but not least, GoPro is up big this week. And in fact, it's actually had a pretty darn good run recently. Uh, Shares have doubled in the last month. They've tripled since the IPO back in June. I guess the overall question for this GoPro segment, I'll get to it right off the bat. Do you believe in GoPro? It's valuation. Way up there. Yeah, I mean the valuation today is uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 115 times mm-hmm. normalized full year earnings uh, for a company that just that just came to market. Now, I mean, I think the the biggest question you need to ask yourself today in regard to to GoPro is how long do you think they can maintain this growth trajectory of shipping these devices? Right. Because we will reach a point where where saturation occurs. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I like their strategy of becoming a media company, a content company, and really using that content generated from those cameras uh, to gin up interest and potentially revenue that way. Again, I like the strategy, but it's yet to prove out. Right? right. I mean, they have a YouTube channel that I can go, you know, I can watch it for free. I mean, they may make, uh, you know, a minimal amount of money off that today. But I think that you know, this is not. Um, this isn't a phone in that it's not going to have the same kind of refresh uh, refresh cycle that we see with phones. Um, so, you know, for me, when I, I look at GoPro, I mean, there are a lot of things to like about this company. I mean, this is certainly the market leader in what they do. I mean, it's not like your phone can just do what they're doing because these are very specially designed cameras that attach to all sorts of different, you know, places, whether it's a helmet or bike handlebars mm-hmm. or surfboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, fr- from that perspective, I'm actually pretty encouraged by this company. But, but you know, to your point earlier, I mean, there has been a lot of optimism out there, and this stock has just done phenomenally well in in the short time that it's that it's been traded uh, on the public markets. And I think part of that is because it's a market leader. They've got an enthusiastic founder CEO who's trying to get that name out there and really doing a lot of good job. Um, really, I, I think selling this name. Uh, I think the old Buffett saw applies here, though. You pay a high a high price for a cheery consensus. Hmm. This is a very very cheery consensus here. Um, so, from the perspective of what they do, the perspective of the market position, I like the company. For me, the price really matters in this case. So, I'm going to keep this one on my watch list. But, but at today's prices, it's just it's far too out of line for me to consider buying. I don't know if I need a GoPro in my life. I just <laughs> I don't I don't do mountain biking. I don't need to strap it to a bike helmet. I don't do crazy sports. Dave Meyer, a fellow fool, loves his GoPro. Yeah. On the other hand, he wears that thing every chance he gets when we're playing soccer or basketball or whatever. I uh, see. I mean, I've I've tried to find something in my life where I feel like a GoPro might be cool to have, and right. I just can't. I can't. I haven't come up with it yet. And I mean, part of it. I mean, if someone's wearing a GoPro when they're running around or playing, I mean, that, that's a pretty nauseating point of <laughs> view, right? True. I mean, if you, as, yeah. as a viewer, it's it's nauseating. Um, so, I mean, it, it works well for some things. It doesn't work so well for other things. I think it, it obviously provides a very unique perspective. Um, and I think that GoPro is by far and away the leader of the, leader of the pack here. It's, it's just a matter of really, what is this company beyond a device maker? And right. I think that's the biggest question we have to ask. Because eventually hardware is a race to the bottom. And if someone comes out with something even remotely better or even the same and, mm. and can price it better... You know, you better look out. Okay, Jim Cramer this morning said that Go. Oh, there is a research note that Jim Cramer was <laughs> quoting that said that GoPro is the gift, the gift of the Christmas season. I know Heather Horton, our lady behind the glass, got her dad a GoPro. He has yet to unwrap it, Heather. Right? 
Yep, got it for him in April. Still uh, hasn't unwrapped April it. April, it's still Corden. a paperweight. What are yeah. you doing? Now, what what would he use it for? Like, what what is he doing in his life where he he'd be like... He wanted it. He got the water one. He wanted it for snorkeling. Ooh. Oh, and yeah. see, and, see, and I, think, I think scuba diving. I don't know. And yeah. that's, that's a very unique perspective that I think it works very well because... Uh, it's going to be far less nauseating than watching someone jogging a, a you know a woodlands trail, but um, fair. But I also I, again I go back to the point. You look around the fool. There's only one or two fools who are using it, and they're using it for. Uh, it's an extremist group. It, yeah. it, it's the the people who do the scuba diving. It's the people who do the mountain biking. Is it ever going to reach a critical mass where you and I are going? Yeah, check out this thing on my GoPro. <sighs> I, I mean, it's it's. It's distinctly possible, but but maybe not. I mean, we're we're seeing sort of a point where people are not too terribly interested in in you posting uh, the sandwich that you ate yesterday on Facebook, right? right. So I mean, how much are they going to care about your point of view if you're changing your kid's diaper or something? Oh no, that was a great sandwich. Um, I, I mean, I think like I think I think Kramer's probably right in the fact that this you know, we're looking for a new device every every Christmas, and right. you know, so so this this is going to be a device I'm sure that probably finds its way under many under many trees, but um, but yeah, again. I mean, I think you just have to kind of go past the device part, past the hardware part, because eventually, you know, that that's a race to the bottom, and, and, and they're going to need to they're going to need to make sure they they can convince us that this this monetization strategy uh, with the content will actually work. Absolutely, you've got two young, active daughters. I are, do. you, are there going to be any GoPros underneath the tree this Christmas? There will not be. Ah. Not unless not unless there's a specific request for one, but we have not had a specific request for right, one. So. Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, my wife and I probably we have to kick around uh, what Santa's going to be. Gotta get some Christmas stuff started. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Television's Heather Horton. I'm Mark Reef. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.